1: And welcome to Wrestling with Statistics, the only podcast that focuses on wrestling through the unique lens of statistics and analytics. Today, I am your host, Craig from ProWrestlingMusings.com, um, and I am a man who can say statistics properly, not like the two Americans that you had last week who both seemed to say statistics. Uh, anyway, joining me today is Hit the Books and um, wrestling with statistics, very own Ryan Knightsey. Ryan, how are you doing after that accent assassination?
0: Well, I feel like auto- automatically I'm a- 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 aghast. I am uh, dumbfounded by this this assault of words or lack thereof pronunciations of of words that's coming from you. The vitriol that's coming this way, Craig. All the way you're mailing it in from Scotland to Georgia and all this. St- am i not you have did
1: i not say it properly correctly last week it's it's well i've all i've often noticed it with you but then when you when you had um a fellow american on last week um it was he was also saying "zystics" um without you know just i don't know um just kind of pushing forward the america america's constant um kind of wrecking of the english language not only through kind of taking words with rich kind of linguistic histories and turning them and being like oh but that that's a little bit too complicated let's replace it with sidewalk or you know these kind of things camper van
0: i think you just summarized like america in general not just our linguistics in general like i feel like you were just like yeah america just sort of takes what it wants changes it however it feels like it and just sort of abuses it in general. <laughs> I think that's you just described America. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, statistics. I try to I'm trying to think of how that's I say bad.
1: it. That's, that's 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 better.
0: Well, now I got the thing in my head where I'm thinking about me saying it and I'm trying to say it without your influence. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm in a whole boot. But besides besides my lack of pronunciation, I'm doing fairly fine. You know, it's been a while uh since you know since we've done a show together on this show mm-hmm. so uh, i'm glad we're back uh <laughs> you know it's not gonna hold up forever i'm gonna be gone next week but you know <laughs> you know at least we get one in
1: yeah um and I, I have to say well i'm quite pleased with my myself kind of growing up as a person as in that i i listened to to the podcast last week and was just like really really quite pleased uh how how good it was and like quite impressed with how good it was and you know it wasn't the kind of insecure thing of like you know darn these guys they're making me look bad type things like oh this is really good that's that's great
0: it's a great way to uh you know be you know obviously you're you're providing the data and stuff but it's a great way for i imagine for you and for me when i when i'm going to be gone next week and when i was gone a couple weeks ago uh it's a great way to step outside of th- yourself in the show and sort of like from a third party perspective look at it, you know, and be like, "Well, what what is this good? You know, is it?" I feel like we do a great show. I really enjoy what we put on, and uh, I think I guess thank you for the compliment about last week as well. But yeah, I I really like the show a lot, and I'm I'm so excited we get to do it again.
1: So um, when when we've had other people on, when um, mags was on and then when rob was on and you even did a little bit of it, of it last week with mikey kind of treating us the guest and um, so i thought we'd kind of flip it on its head Um so ryan i'm going to treat you like you're kind of just the, uh, the kind of the new person on so i'd like to st- so we've kind of spoken a little bit about how um i'm a teacher because you're polite and stuff and do the kind of polite person questioning thing which i'm going to try out here rather than just kind of setting myself up (laughs) for opportunities to talk at length um so ryan you you work you say you work in film what what does that mean is that the glitz and glamour of hollywood or are you kind of just like following people around on the street trying to discover um funny moments to send into a like a kind of you've been framed style tv program
0: uh uh ultimately it's whatever i get hired to do uh honestly i so i've only been technically in the film business for two years uh now uh you know i graduated college got a degree in film i think my my degree is technically film and moving image uh you know bs where or yeah my fun fact i got a bs in film you would think it'd be a ba oh do you not do you know what bs is in ba i don't know if it's different in in
1: You're europe B, ba is bachelor so I, have of, a BA, I have a ba which is bachelor of education
0: i am um, bachelor of arts bachelor of science okay yeah. i have a bachelor of science degree in filmmaking so
1: film is science not arts
0: uh, and my school correct I think I think the argument is uh, my school teaches you more about like the job of being on a film where other schools will teach you like, you know, what does it mean to create art of film? Mm-hmm. So I think that's the difference. But, yeah, I got my degree in filmmaking. In fact, I got my a concentration in producing. But, you know, entering the film sphere, obviously, it's all about connections. So basically what I just do every time when I'm on set, I get try to get hired uh, and when I'm on usually hired, when usually the entry level position is a production assistant, a PA. So basically I'm the guy that goes around and asks everyone if they need a bottled water and I give it to them. Um, but you know, it's entry level besides that, you know, I've been, I've, you know, I've done worked on a bunch of, I've done work. I've worked on a bunch of shows. Uh, I've worked on shows that have aired on ABC aired on NBC, you know, the, the Titan games, uh, that's hosted by oh, Rock really? Johnson.
1: I've 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 seen that yeah Um, great TV show um, so so did what does so when you say you've worked on these shows what like what is the experience of that are you are you meeting the kind of like the obvious question from an outsider is you are you meeting the kind of people that we're gonna you know are you meeting people whose names we will know type thing
0: um that's a great question uh for let's say for example for titan games um i was a script pa uh which was basically my job was i watched i had a board a tv monitor in front of me that had live feeds from 16 cameras and i had to and, and watch two of those cameras for the pre and post interviews so basically whenever a contestant got interviewed i would write down exactly what they're saying um okay I did in fact meet Dwayne the Rock Johnson because at one point I had I was in a room where we were doing his pre-interview like his intro interview uh, mm-hmm. into the show and so I was able to meet him and shake his hand and whatnot. It, it, you when you're in the sort it, of
1: did you did you manage that and kind of maintain like composure? um no like all of your bones
0: yeah uh yeah he didn't rip my skeleton out from my handshake um which is very thankful because you know i health insurance and whatnot but uh yeah uh, i was very thankful for Dwayne to you know withhold his power there but yeah i mean like in most jobs at the entry level position you're not really meeting the big celebrities because they're always like you know for instance titan games the rock was at his spot then when it was his time to go on camera he would drive over to set walk on stage do the bit then he would leave um okay and so you rarely see him in fact we were actually told that we can't stop him and take pictures with him and take selfies with him because dwayne the rock johnson's too nice of a person that he will take the photo and if he's taking <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> if he's taking everyone's photo then we're not going to yeah. get anything done um and that's like another thing that i have in my brain is that when i'm on set you know i talk about a composure when i'm on set i've you know I've, like i've seen the rock right i mean that's insane mm-hmm. i've you know i saw adam scott who was on abc's don't game show uh i've seen other people that are fam- quite famous and when i'm on set i just don't i like the blinders the work blinders go on where it's just like oh they're mm-hmm. normal people i have a job to t- job to do because ultimately, the people I'm trying to impress are the producers and other behind the scenes people, uh, and I'm trying to get under their good graces so that I can ensure that I get another job down the line. Because this is a whole gig economy where it's all about the yeah. next job and next job, next job.
1: And I'm sadly sure that. Be... Go
0: yeah. ahead. No, I was gonna. Uh, say, I was gonna say slowly that obviously that has all been halted yeah. because of the pandemic.
1: And I'm sure that's like that'll be like uh uh, a trip trip up that a lot of people in your position would fall into, like getting distracted or overawed by the kind of uh, the the names mm-hmm. to distill it perhaps a little bit too much. They're kind of they're just being distracted by trying to get a photo or whatever.
0: I mean, yeah, I one hundred percent would have loved to have had a photo of doing the Rock Johnson, but when, mm-hmm. at least and then obviously I'm speaking on my behalf. But for me, I understand and also it's like when you see him in person you're like oh this is just this is a person and like i understand that like i am in a weird way when you're on like a production set you're sort of like one of the cogs in the wheels and if you're distracting the main host and also i think the rock is an executive producer on the show so if you're distracting Mm a producer from doing his job then we're halting the whole production so it's like i can't part of my job is i can't Fraternize with the celebrities or the whole show gets pushed back, which means more money and overtime that has to be paid um, Which means I might not get hired back. So basically it's sure. like it, it's People that so a lot of people might be like, oh god, it's the rock But to ensure that you go on to the next job, which is what this whole thing is about You have to put all that aside uh, which is very frustrating when again you're meeting Dwayne "The Rock" Johnson. Yeah.
1: yeah, very very very. Right, very quickly this just so we can move on to the actual statistics um, and yeah. favorite wrestling match, which oh. I'm sure you'll know.
0: Favorite wrestling match. It's it's, it's I, I love that you bring this up because we're talking about favorites and stuff. I've talked about in the past how I've had I've created a document for myself that Uh, Creates like tells me who my favorite wrestler is based off of previous matches. So of all of 2020, I can like look through and say what is my favorite match of 2020. And obviously, like I've only been doing this system for a bit, so I haven't like you know my entire history of watching wrestling. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I'm trying to think of it all. Let Let me pull up the my my document here in front of me to give me. Highlights. Another reason why I do all these things, Craig, is that I have a terrible memory system, so I'm like, I'm trying to remember like what matches I really see I've seen, I really enjoyed. Uh, that's part of the issue. I really, uh, in terms of 2020, I mean, according to this, one of my favorite matches that I can distinctly remember is, um, what was it? It was the, I think it was the Ibushi Okada match from this mm-hmm. past yeah. Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, I don't know if it's necessarily my favorite match of all time, but that match, you know, right off the bat is one of my favorites. Um, and I, I just think that match was just great. And obviously going into the Naito right after that, that's just that match is pure storytelling where the match previous of Ibushi was pure, you know, technical wrestling skill, um, which is something I, I guess I've noticed that I, uh, that I prefer more uh, is like more of the mm-hmm. wrestling than the story aspect sometimes. Um, favorite match, hmm. This isn't, it's not necessarily my favorite technical match because that one I really have to like dive deep and think about. But one of my favorite matches that I can think of, when I, like being excited for and seeing this, you know, seeing the story built up of over years, um. And seeing it all take place was the first, I believe. The first whatever, I think it was the WrestleMania 25 of Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels. Uh the one where uh you know Shawn Michaels comes out dressed like a white uh <laughs> angel yep. with the full Undertaker get up in all white. Um and you know, the dead man does that insane suicide dive over the top rope and basically lands mm-hmm. on a cameraman who i believe was actually sean spears fun fact um oh, really i believe that's true uh you know and basically laying his neck i remember being so excited for that match because they, they've been sort of teasing it for years a match be- a singles match between undertaker and Shawn michaels and then when they finally get to it it's you know it's the you know the twilight years of Shawn michaels career it's not necessarily yet the twilight years of undertaker, even though he's in the business, I think for a little bit longer, but, uh, and it, but he could still go at the time. So I remember like distinctly remembering like that match. And of course his other matches. Like I remember Batista undertaker. One of my favorite matches I think about all the time is, uh, is Rey Mysterio versus great Kali. Um, obviously these are all WWE things. Obviously I love new Japan and other things, other matches as well. Um, but, you know, these are the things that when it comes to, I guess, favoritism, these are the things, the <laughs> moments that stick out in my brain. Uh, of Rey Mysterio, Great Kali, I should say. I believe that was just a... That was one of the first SmackDown matches I've ever seen in my life. And I was a fan of Rey Mysterio. It was like him coming back, I think, from his Chava Guerrero feud, from his knee injury. And they're hyping up Great Kali. And the whole premise of the match is obviously big man versus small man. But they were hyping up the finisher of great Kali, which was the yeah. uh, vice grip. And so what they did was that great Kali gets the vice grip on Ray Mysterio. And because Ray Mysterio is so small, they're giving off the impression that he's great Kali is squeezing Ray Mysterio's head, which, you know, because Rey Mysterio's head is so small or whatever, it's crushing his head. And like spurts of blood pops from Rey Mysterio's mouth. And I remember as a young child watching wrestling for the first time I was and being a fan of Rey Mysterio, uh, I was terrified. I was like, this monster is just damaging this this hero Mm -hmm. of mine. Uh, and now I think about that. Now I compare that to Rey Mysterio also doing a thing where he gets his eye gouged. Rey Mysterio has gone through a lot of things <laughs> in his career. Now that I think about it. Oh man. But yeah, this is not really, that wasn't really a good answer, Craig, but
1: you know, that that's the answer no. I got for you. It's different, different, different as goods. Um, okay, so uh, we're going to kind of move along into the main body of the show.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and we're going to start off by looking at something that um, has keeps, keeps like coming up uh, for me when I'm looking at these kind of um, statistics and comparing wrestlers to each other. We're going to have a look at um, the impact that time has, like the length of the match, the amount of time that a wrestler has wrestled has on the kind of the the amount of offense that they're getting in their their rate of offense. Okay. Um. So in in the show notes and in the video version, you should be able to find, or you'll be pre- presented with, um, the relationship between ring time and offense per hour kind of rate. And the reason it's offense per hour instead of per match is because obviously matches differ in length, so it's supposed to kind of um flatten things out. Um, however, what I kept feeling when I was putting these things together um, was that shorter matches tended towards wrestlers having a faster um, per, per hour mm. offense rate um, and longer matches reduced it because in longer matches, wrestlers are selling for longer. So, you know, they're on the ground. The Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, one is actually a really good example because I think after that dive out of the ring where he, like, lands on his neck, like not there's a lot of kind of them going down after big moves, and like, yeah, I think undertaker is just resting yeah. <laughs> essentially.
0: I mean, he that um, was an awful dive, an awful catch by Sean Spears or whoever it was, so he was probably yes. knocked loopy for a second,
1: yes, uh, absolutely. so, um and and the the graph, the graph does kind of show that it's not to the extent that I thought it would. Um, but we do we do have a, a negative correlation between um, the length of ring time and offense rate per hour. So it is showing that the longer a wrestler is in the ring, um, the the less likely they are of having a particularly fast offense rate per hour, because it, it it will be those those times where they're lying on the ground to sell. A, a big move after like being mm-hmm. in the ring for such a long time, it is obviously kind of, um, kind kind of harming, almost harming these numbers. If you get what I mean?
0: Yeah. Um, I what, so.
1: what, what's your kind of, what, what, what kind of springs to mind upon um, being presented with this kind of data, Ryan?
0: Well, that, and I, the data sort of, uh, uh correctly agrees with that theory right of you know if you have a short short match you know if you have you know obviously in in aew when we say a short match they do have time limits on these matches for the most part so you know if you have a 15 minute match and wins matter and you want to get more wins and you're let's say darby allen you want to get a win and you you know you want to go out there and sprint and try to make sure you get give in as much offense as you can to hopefully get the win there. Um maybe Darby's not the greatest example because of how Darby sort of wrestles, but the idea is still the same that you know if you have a long sprint of a 15 minute match, then you're going to want to get there and you know sprint it up, get as much offense. If you're someone that is in there for 30 minutes, you're in a title match, if you're in the rare 60 minute or whatever, then uh, you're, you know, for the most part, you're going that length. I mean, I can't even remember even like New Japan history. I can't really remember many matches where it's like a 60 minute uh, time limit and they only go for 10. Um, you know what I mean? I can't I can't exactly remember things like that. And and part of that, obviously, you know, coming out of kayfabe is the idea of like, hey, if this is a world title match, you want to make it meaningful. You want to make it last and mm. important for the audience. And that just draws out the drama a little bit. But when it comes to the numbers here, yeah, I mean, it's very interesting. There are obviously there's some ones I pick up on, like those sort of outliers to the right of the graph with Cody Rhodes and Moxley, who are constant outliers here. Um, Cody Rhodes, obviously, and Moxley getting way more ring time than anybody else in this entire promotion. Um,
1: And quite significantly in the case of Cody.
0: And they're maybe in the half, maybe latter half of offense per hour. Um, obviously, yeah, that you know they have a lot more ring time, but they're not mm-hmm. they're not going out there. And even if some matches obviously are sprints for Cody and Moxley, I don't, I don't, I don't know if there's a what the time limit is on TNT title matches. If there is one, I presume there is one. Um, I th-
1: I think I think it's twenty minutes. I think they said. Um, kind of whilst establishing the uh, the challenge that th- this tile would have a 20 minute time limit and that would be standardized i think I'd, i don't think i've just made that up
0: i mean i believe you even even if it's 20 minutes it could be 15 or 20 minutes cuz even then cody a lot of those matches have been mm. like 10 11 12 minutes
1: yeah they're they're kind of from writing down the times at the end of them they seem to come in at like 10 to 14 minutes
0: yeah i mean he's not he's not really he's not really selling a lot or however, however you look at that, I guess. But yeah, I mean, a lot of those people are not Cody Rhodes, Moxley Guevara. I mean, Darby is a weird one there, but a lot of those people, they have high ring times, but they're still like middle of the pack, bottom half of the pack. Um, Who's, I mean, who's, who do we got? That's very far back. I mean, there's also the idea of like comparing to like Cody to Adam page. It was eight minutes. Of ring time, mm-hmm. which I probably will guess is just one match in 2020.
1: Yeah, he had his first one-on-one match last week, as it happens. Mm-hmm.
0: I, uh, really? Oh yeah, because he was against five. He was against mm-hmm. Allen Angels. Um, yeah, I mean, my big takeaway here is that I, I think it—I I think it makes sense. You know, the less ring time you're in, or you know, within the time limit as well the the more offense you're going to try to put in. You want to ensure victories. I mean, that's what the whole idea of wins mattering comes from, right? Is that mm-hmm. you want to get the win, because if you get a win here, then you're probably going to get a title match down the line. I mean, obviously, there's, again, some Darbiness happening in the past week, but Darby uh, came back from injury, you know, won his i guess in a way won his feud with brian cage so he gets a title shot i guess um maybe that's not the greatest example um but yeah i mean yeah i think it makes sense the more the less ring time you have the more offense you put in i think that makes sense to me at the very least what do you think craig
1: um so in terms of in in terms of like out with kayfabe it makes sense that you can't you can't have a five minute match and then people like lying down for 20 seconds after mm-hmm. move. It's certainly, it's certainly, I mean, unless it's like Wardlow with that big knee thing and um, that you're kind of selling a finisher, but like, and um, it, it, you know, he, first strike battle in the match. And then they're on the ground for ages. It doesn't, it doesn't, it kind of spoils the magic of wrestling. You're not, people aren't being worn down in that kind of idea. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of like, going out with kfab if it's like a um sorry within oh, I'm getting tangled around my words and um, within within kayfabe, Oh dear. Uh, so out with kfab then you are um if it's a five minute match and people are spending ages on the ground, it's not it's not the best use of time. It's not um making a huge amount of sense in terms of keeping the audience engaged. There's no point of like it, it's fine in New Japan when nothing happens in the first five minutes, um, but there's there's just not the the kind of luxury of that kind of that kind of time mm-hmm. in in AEW, if certainly or you know television in general, um, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I mean they are doing a TV show, a two hour TV show that runs at like uh what, pff, cutting out commercials, an hour forty or something, mm-hmm. whereas New Japan they have time limits as well, but their shows run two hours straight. You know, obviously there's there's not really commercial breaks or anything. I guess they do have intermissions recently. But um, yeah, it's you know, they're they don't have time for AEW to like sit in a match. It's more of like we got to keep it moving to make sure we hit the next thing or whatever.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um. What I think this chart does ultimately show is that the people that are ending up in these um, longer pay-per-view matches do their the, the kind of the offense per hour rate does kind of fall down there because um, a really good example was Kenny Omega had a match against Pac um thirty minute um, Ironman match and there would have been there were other guys around about that time that had around 30 minutes of kind of ring time, but they weren't, none of them had been in kind of long matches, mm-hmm. which made Kenny Omega's um, kind of offense hour rate uh, look quite slow. And I think that's that's kind of where these statistics are kind of, that's something that needs to be um, kept in mind, but it does also really highlight the difference between um, these two match types in terms of... How how the wrestling company is is using their time and when they have the luxury of spreading it out and when when they can't do that.
0: I would be really intrigued in seeing uh, ring time per match, like average ring time per mm, match yeah. compared. to Alongs-
1: this. Yeah, it could go alongside this chart. That would. I would yeah if I would certainly add layers yeah because I and, wonder
0: because obviously like you said like if someone has Kenny Omega and he has you know he tends to have or just you know look at Moxley Moxley is someone that because he's the world champion tends to have longer mm-hmm. matches this year as opposed to someone who is uh Wardlow who's had yeah maybe eight matches for a total of 11 minutes total ring time like mm-hmm. I wonder yeah. if there is any what the correlation would be in there Because the idea would be then, you for you know, if you're, it would probably actually be the same. If if in theory,
1: yes. If if what I'm describing is accurate, then yes.
0: Yeah, I think that I think that would make sense.
1: If not, we'll never speak of it again.
0: (laughs) If not, this has been cut out of the podcast. Yes, nothing to do with anything.
1: Um, and on that note. We're going to have a quick look at Warhorse versus Cody because it was kind of the most noteworthy of the matches from this last week um, of Dynamite. And Brian, I'm just going to kind of chuck you on the spot here. Do you want to take a little run through these statistics?
0: Yes, I can, Craig. And we should say we are also recording this on Friday. So Mm -hmm. I know there's also I think there's more New Japan happening over the weekend before this episode comes out on Monday uh so if anything big happened obviously i think earlier today of time of recording craig there was the suzuki nagata match right that uh-huh. I, we didn't get a chance to watch um but yeah if that you know we'll see how those turn out as well but for at least in wednesday night cody Rhodes versus warhorse a very interesting match obviously warhorse coming from the independent scene your internet what well, not your internet champion that was later in the match uh your independent wrestling champion Warhorse arriving on the scene of TNT. Uh Warhorse uh pretty much dominates Cody Rhodes when it comes to strikes, you know, with 25 to 8. The Warhorse has like three strike downs versus Cody Rhodes' two. So fairly even. Warhorse does also have, you know, that strike down rate is 12% versus Cody Rhodes is 25. So not great. You know, Warhorse doesn't have a lot of meat behind those horse bones. <laughs> Ah, uh, well, Cody obviously has a lot more. Uh, Grapples, Cody Rhodes, uh, four versus one, won that one. Warhorse made sure he was on top of him all the time when Cody Rhodes jumped out of the ring by diving twice while well, Cody did not get anything. And we tried to warn Warhorse about this on the internet. We tried tweeting at him before the show happened. But, you know, Cody Rhodes uh, was able to get 49 s- seconds of submission on Warhorse versus is 37. We tried warning him, Craig. You know, watch out for, there's been a trend in the past several of these TNT championship matches with Cody Rhodes getting the, uh, a lot of submission time in on his opponents. He's really been working people's legs, you know, and so that's Mm -hmm. something we try to warn him and the same thing happened here. He did try, Craig, to uh, reverse out of it a lot. You know, it shows here, 16 reversals out of Warhorse versus Cody Rhodes, 15. He is getting the win there. There were several moments in the match where uh, where for instance warhorse uh, was getting the figure four uh, leg lock put on him but right before cody can put the leg down warhorse like flips him immediately and then later in the match he like stops the leg and like tries mm-hmm. to hurt the leg like warhorse saw it coming and try to fix it but he ultimately got lost in that uh endeavor uh warhorse went for more pin attempts, four to three cody Rhodes fouled once the uh, you know only one foul but it is sort of going into that line of maybe a heel turn uh three taunts from cody versus warhorses eight obviously that's to me that's not much of a uh surprise seeing that you know he's from the independent scene we you know you gotta sell those tickets gotta sell that merch yeah, you want to be there, you want to be is, taunting
1: there is a lot of the kind of uh head banging.
0: Yeah, I mean well he's a hang- headbanger. What can he blame for? Yeah. <laughs> and Cody Rhodes getting the one finisher on Warhorse to finish the match. Uh Cody Rhodes match offense 39% versus Warhorse's is 61. I think that's the largest difference in these TNT matches.
1: Uh, off the top of my head, I would I would certainly guess. So yeah.
0: I can double check that for us, but I think that's the largest uh differential match offense with ch- you know you you know even you know, we talk out of kayfabe cody gave cody gave warhorse quite the shine here uh which i hopefully <laughs> appeals did, yeah. to all the internet fans uh we already talked about strike down rate reversal rate like i said warhorse had 49 percent reversal rate versus cody's 33 so like we said warhorse came in seemingly prepared but ultimately mm-hmm. failed uh which is sort of upsetting but you know i think he put up quite the fight uh you know you, you can look at Should I go into flow of offense, or do you have any points to talk about when it comes to these stats?
1: Um, So, well, I'm going to very quickly take flow of offense. So when we look at the flow of offense chart, um, what's really interesting there is the sheer lack of Cody. Yes. Um, Cody Rhodes, before, before the break, so they're trying to get people interested in this match before they cut to break. Mm-hmm. and you know they do the picture in picture but they, they st- you know that's slightly more risky you know people that might be the time that people duck out before the break Cody Rhodes had attempted three submissions not not big submissions um, nine se- two nine second submissions and a three second submission and he hit a, a takedown type grapple that was it that was, that was all he hit before break um, Warhorse in in contrast six strikes a grapple and two submissions one of 10 seconds and one of 20 so there's a lot of reversing before before the break but it was it was very very much set up as war Horse. Mm-hmm. and then during the break cody hits f- six strikes uh, sorry seven strikes one of which is a strike down two grapples one of which um is an avalanche from the top type grapple after the break, Cody hits one more grapple, a strike down, uh 20-second submission, and then his finishing eight-second um figure four. Af- after the break, Warhorse hits like loads of strikes. There's got to be like ugh, what, like 15, 18 in there, two dives, and a short submission of his own, along with a couple uh, pin attempts. Cody almost didn't like. Cody, if if we subtracted everything that happened in the break from this match, that that thirty nine percent of the match offense that Cody got would be so much lower. Yeah, Cody barely got anything in this match out with what happened in the break. It was minimal, absolutely minimal, and people are on are on the internet trying to say that this man is just burying, um. The lower down AEW stars and independent wrestlers, left, right, and center, which is, I don't know, like I I, I get the the thinking that might take you there, but for me, this match is just the absolute opposite. Uh, somebody I saw on Reddit was saying, you know, why would Warhorse turn up, just to get beat by Cody like this? Well, he was on national TV. One. He got six excuse me.
0: I was I just I'm just counting off one. <laughs>
1: All right, yeah, yes, one, um got sixty one percent of the offense, two, um his opponents barely gave him any offense on like full screen television three um, and yet he presumably he gets paid probably <laughs> four. and the big chunk. four the big number right there
0: he yeah, gets paid well,
1: for it, <laughs> I mean, number five is like he's making connections, he might eventually he might eventually get signed. It doesn't seem like at the moment, but his name's there, he's spoken to people he's very much in the thinking so like to say that warhorse should never turn up for cody to bury him i think here is when statistics can hold up a flag and be like well actually um no <laughs> x y and z happened um so I, yeah it's, it's very very interesting numbers
0: i yeah 100 percent agree with that is that yeah i I think it also sort of proves to me, especially if the, you know before the break Cody Rhodes barely getting any offense in. I think mm-hmm. that sort of to me tells the story you know taking the the story from the numbers that Cody Rhodes was not taking Warhorse seriously. I would yeah. argue I mean he was on Twitter he was even saying stuff like that about like will he even last five minutes with me uh where in this match you know it's ten minutes thirty one seconds um You know, Cody Rhodes gets nothing in. Warhorse just basically dominates the majority of the match. You have have two thirds of the match, basically, if that makes sense. Uh, Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. Cody Rhodes uh, did not uh, he 100% underestimated Warhorse here. And one could argue and maybe that goes into that strike down rate percentage. But one could argue if Warhorse, you know, he's early in his career still. Uh, and warhorse i don't know how long jake parnell the man behind the mask the man behind the paint has been wrestling but he you know he's still coming he, this is this is the most he's 27 years old he has been wrestling since 2013 uh so he's only been wrestling for seven years so he still has ways to grow in his career and you know he this is from someone that like hey who knows if you know it next time, next week if they wrestled again, Cody Rhodes might dominate him a little bit more. But next time, Warhorse, you know, let's say a couple of years from now, Warhorse puts on a little bit more meat, uh, on that horse body of his. If he uh you know, gets more training under his belt. Cody Rhodes obviously has been, you know, the blue blood basically mm-hmm. of this promotion in training from all of the legends. Uh Warhorse is someone that like I i don't i based on this match i think that not only did cody underestimate him but warhorse took pure advantage of that underestimation and did all his best and ultimately Mm -hmm. what caused him to lose was that cody was like okay enough is enough i need to take the take you seriously as a a reputable uh contender and try to put you away now because if i don't if i don't focus I'm going to lose this match. And I think, that I, re- I feel like there was a moment where Arn basically said something similar to Cody.
1: And um, there's a bit early on where Cody is doing uh, push ups and Arn loses it
0: there we go i mean you what why are you doing push-ups buddy you are he Mm. is killing your butt he's kicking your ass there we go
1: and 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 on that and on that note i've just very quickly fired some numbers through a calculator um so cody rhodes hit eight moves during this match out with break during the break he hit 14 um so that means that and if we then eliminate so we eliminate cody's during commercial um moves hit and war horses during commercial moves hit cody Rhodes would have had 20 percent of the match <laughs> offense oh that's my... it oh my god yeah, that's, that's um it's really interesting um and i don't know if that's on purpose i have no idea how much they're laid out i'm guessing
0: i, I'm I, guessing I would maybe. have to think it's on purpose
1: right well, yeah, but probably not to that extreme. Fair, like, fair. I, I think in Cody's head, it's probably like a 60-40 type situation. Mm-hmm. And in the end, it was. But I think even he perhaps doesn't... I don't know. I don't know. He maybe. But I suppose with the picture-in-picture, picture you can see it. So, yeah, he's he's perhaps gone, and, well, my bit will be during the break, and then you get to do this and you get to do that. So, yeah, actually, you're right. It will be... But, yeah, it's just... Um. There was an interesting bit on, I think it was the Grapple podcast, comparing Jericho with Triple H and how Triple H only works with The Undertaker and whoever Batista, all these names, and he's like the same age as Chris Jericho, whereas Chris Jericho is giving stuff to Cassidy and to Jungle Boy, Mm -hmm. and Cody's right there doing the same thing. Yeah. And like it is it is a good look and it's it is a hook to get people interested in their TV to be doing this challenge. you know, seeing Warhorse coming in is fascinating. But at the end of the day um I I don't believe Warhorse is signing with this promotion now, probably not for, in the next three years would be my guess. agree. um you know Warhorse is getting a huge amount out of this and that that does that does go. To to Cody's credit and to AEW's credit, they like WWE won't even admit that there is wrestling outside of WWE. Mm-hmm. And then here we have Cody and AEW doing almost the exact opposite. And I'm not saying they're not benefiting from it. They are, but they're they are benefiting giving and giving back as well.
0: And Warhorse gets the rub. He gets the rub of being on yeah. national TV. People know who he is. People might see him and be like, oh, that guy's cool. I want to see more of his stuff. And then you log on to YouTube, you type in Warhorse full match or whatever. Mm-hmm. And there is a large plethora of of War Horse matches on the episode that came out last Friday for Hit the Books. The Mikey uh, during the show realized that like, oh, he like quickly was like logging into independent wrestling dot TV. Uh, and he was like, oh, there's an article on the front page. that's like, oh, War Horse. Watch all of War Horse's titles defenses. For free, you can go right now to independentwrestling.tv, not a promotion, but you can go there right now and watch all of Warhorse's matches that he's had to defend his internet or independent wrestling championship. Like, I don't, we don't have the data of that. Obviously, I don't know if it's going to be published anytime soon, but I imagine there since Warhorse's uh, arrival and also announcement, I guess, of being on AEW, the traffic on independentwrestling.tv has probably gone up.
1: Um, so yeah, um, we're gonna we're gonna move on from Warhorse versus Cody, um, and I'd just like to take a very quick look at the kind of the AEW League table rankings that I've been relating yeah. And this is um, which he's this, been
0: doing at prowrestlingmusings.com which you can check out. <laughs> uh, currently, I guess at any time, not currently, you just check it out at any moment.
1: Yes, yes, and I've I've been getting better at keeping this chart up to date. And it's being done weekly usually before the end of friday um so yeah it should it should update and if it doesn't if if you know if it doesn't and you're really eager to see what last week's dynamite has done to these numbers if you um if you were to message me on twitter i'd be delighted that somebody was actually looking at it and probably do it pronto so there you go (laughs) so yeah this is this is like This is in relation to AEW's suggestion that they are a sports-centric company and the idea of rankings and wins and losses mattering. As soon as you say that to me, a British football fan, I'm like, ooh, it's going to be like league tables. And ultimately, it's probably not. But um, this is an interesting resource, and it certainly does highlight um, how strongly certain people are being booked and how strongly certain people are not being booked. Um, if you go to the website, you can see all 139 people that have appeared on AEW this year across um, six divisions that I split them up into overall, male overall, female overall, male singles, female singles, and male tag. Um, but Ryan and I are just going to be looking at the top 25 from overall the two singles divisions and the tag just now. Um, so overall, we have... Uh, I'm just going to fire through maybe like the top 10. So it kind of goes Omega, Moxley, Cody, Sheeta, Page, Archer, MJF, Rose, Nick Jackson, Stu, Grayson. And um, you'll be able to see this on the PW Musings Twitter page for uh, if you're walking around whilst listening to this or the website if you want to look for the full thing.
0: Or if um, you're watching this on YouTube, which you can every week when this episode comes yes. out on YouTube, hit the books podcast on YouTube.
1: Um, Ryan, overall league standings, what what jumps out for you? Who's 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 not there? Who is there? Et cetera, et cetera. Uh,
0: I mean, thinking it over, I mean, obviously there's, you know, the people at the bottom of that, that, that nine and 10, Nick Jackson, Stu Grayson. Obviously they're, they're broken up because of, you know, this is overall. Uh, yes. It's interesting that they're, they are there. Stu Grayson obviously had more matches than his counterpart in Uno and Nick Jackson. Did he have more matches than Matt Jackson in 2020? I guess so.
1: No, I think um, Nick Jackson. So Nick Jackson is ahead of Matt Jackson because he's lost less when he was injured. Matt Jackson lost like a multi-man match.
0: Oh, interesting. Interesting. Um, I think in the top 10 at the very least, uh, nothing too surprising. Uh, you know, Omega being, I think maybe Omega being number one is the <clears> most <throat> surprising to me. Uh, especially yeah. above Moxley, above Cody,
1: above Shida. Um so that's, that's quite new. He's been up and around there the whole time. Yes. Um, Moxley has usually been ahead of him, and every time Kenny Omega kind of catches up, Moxley would jump. Um, Moxley being off for the second time when Renee Young had COVID, Kenny Omega had won a couple matches, and essentially that's why he's at top and Moxley's not.
0: Yeah, that was that was gonna be my theory was that mm-hmm. uh, Omega was here while Moxley was gone for the COVID stuff at the very beginning, and then also the Renee COVID stuff there, and and then above Cody, Cody's beginning of his year compared to Omega's beginning of the yeah. year, I think was a little bit worse than Omega. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that I get, yeah, that that all makes sense now that you explain it. Um, I mean, nothing too. Like looking at this, even looking at the rest of the top five, nothing too I mean, Allie being up there is yeah, weird. But <laughs> Ali being up there is weird, but also she is you know, she's been doing a lot of stuff on Dark. Um yeah. and they're, they're put really pushing that women's tag division, especially going to the tournament coming up.
1: Um so, Ali Ali is four for four. Um, and that's four tag matches with Brandy. That's all she's done this year in terms of in the ring. But that is enough to put her sixteenth yeah. in the overall charts.
0: I hey, I mean she's undefeated.
1: Well, yeah, kind of.
0: <laughs> in a way, it, it's weird. It's weird because it's, it's Allie. She wasn't really a player at all at the end of 2019. Um, I mean, even even the, even when the promotion started, they kind of pushed her as in the forefront, but she wasn't really a player at all um and now she's kind of you know she's been teaming with brandy the past couple of weeks so hurt she's four for four you gotta give her at the very least that uh yeah i mean there's obviously people missing here like Pac who you would expect mm-hmm. but obviously he is 2020 has been put on pause yeah. uh, i'm trying to think of other wrestlers that might be missing from here but there's not really yeah, I don't. I mean,
1: there's not really. You'd like to see more women, I'd suggest. Agreed. Um, We've just I spoken about that. Ali. She's the third highest woman on the list, and the only other two that are in the top twenty-five are the champion and Nyla Rose.
0: Yeah, and I think that really speaks to the. I mean, at least for twenty twenty, it's a little bit different, but yeah, and the and the full scope of AEW their women's division being. I don't want to say bad because a lot of it has been just mm-hmm. they got screwed over by just outstanding uh issues, you know, wh- whether it be yeah. Brit being injured, whether it be uh covid mm-hmm. happening, um whether it be uh, you know the the list goes on and on, but mm-hmm. Uh there's so many things that have happened or failed to happen with the women's division so I can't blame them too much. I mean, someone that probably would have been on here is Brett Baker. I mean, yes. I was, but obviously she's injured. So it's it's been a whole thing for the women's division, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I would love to see more women, but you know, they're still pushing people and they're not giving the women enough time when it comes to dynamite. I know they're giving them a lot of matches on dark, but even then yeah. Now, who yeah, knows? I
1: mean it's really better on dark, but yeah, I think women, I mean, we've we've spoken about this before. I think, and um, they've been admirable in trying to spotlight Joshi wrestlers, but then covid obviously means that they can't travel mm. and two really bad injuries. And um, but at the end of the day, oh, they're all
0: Statlander. I forgot,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, but then at the end of the day, they're struggling to fill a top five rankings. Yeah. For the whole women's division, which i there, you know, you can make the excuses, but they um also do need to improve um there. Um moving on to the male singles, um, I'll rattle off the top ten again. It is Cody, Moxley, Archer, mjf Sean Spears, Scorpio Sky, um Wardlow, Brian Cage, Kenny Omega, and then Brody Lee. Um same same kind of idea again again ryan i for me i'm going to go first here i'm kind of highlighting that sean spears scorpio sky and wardlow yeah. are all in the top five kind of non-champions there yet are not included um, in the rankings what would you think of that kind of idea
0: it's weird, right? Because if you're someone that just just watches Dynamite and doesn't watch Dark, you look at this mm-hmm. list and you're like, yeah. "Why the why the hell is Spears, Sky, and Wardlow so high?" Uh, yeah. It doesn't make any sense. But you know, since uh sort of starting a singles run on Dark, Scorpio Sky has picked up a lot of wins. Wardlow, mm-hmm. obviously, he's Wardlow. He's going to pick up wins spears uh he has a a glove that helps Mm. him get wins so that's good for him uh but yeah it's weird to look at but you have to like contextualize that like hey dark uh also greatly matters and i think that's i i think that might be something to say about uh i mean i i have i've i've i can say about myself i've run behind on dark uh immensely. You know, you sort of complained I, about it on Twitter I, as well that it's yeah. at twelve matches. I love twelve matches for free, but you know, an hour and a half. I've I'm already busy. I can't just sit down and watch all these matches. Um, yeah, I'd
1: I'd rather take like three or four more interesting matches, like less less unsigned. There there was a match between um Christopher Daniels and Sonny Kiss a few weeks back. Yeah, that was great great they were they were just like they were obviously just going for it it was a great great match i really enjoyed it um but like i'm I'm less interested in scorpio sky beating a different jobber every week yeah like, give me give me scorpio sky versus kip sabian that should be dark yeah um,
0: and that, that's something to say about they've changed dark to to enhance the number of matches you know obviously they're yeah. doing shorter matches which is in terms of like business COVID st- world standing, mm-hmm. it's really nice that AEW is using up a lot of independent talent that is currently yeah. not making any other money because of how wrestling is in the COVID world today. It's really nice that they're able to, uh, you know, take, I don't want to say take advantage because that's not correct, but, you know, be able to get those people on and give them wrestling uh, and ha- <laughs> learn a little bit under their learning tree to enhance their ability and getting more reps in and stuff. That's great. But at the end of the day, you know, I feel like there was a BTE bit about this where it's like they are in a way they're kind of padding the numbers a little bit, right? They you got yes. Sean Spears beating up a bunch of uh Serpenticos and 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 uh, Chico Adams and, you know, all these people. It's like who? It's like who are these people? So I don't know how i feel about it it's one of those things that like when it comes to standings you're padding the numbers a bit Mm -hmm. but like the quality of wins are like well these are beating people that are just just kind of dudes i guess
1: yeah and people people will say that like a ranking system is difficult to manage to maintain stories but like sports leagues do it the whole time and you 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 know where your team is in the league and you know where they'll be if they win the match and that's interesting. It is. And I, I, I've i got a lot of time for, like, you know, Scorpio Sky is sixth. If he beats Darby Allen on Dynamite, now he's in the top five. Great. That's, for me, as somebody that likes sports and likes wrestling, I find that really interesting.
0: I've always yeah. liked the idea. You pitched this, like, way early in the show. But I've uh-huh. always loved the idea of having Dark be, like, a relegation league.
1: Yeah, yeah. Again, that's that's football. that's sports. That you know that that works too. Or have like
0: because then you could have you could have a separate dark standings. You know, separate dark league standings that are like, hey, you know, we're all fighting each other and whatnot. And whoever gets high on that list, you know, maybe they have a match on Dynamite. And then on Dynamite, they, they ha- since it's separate.
1: Sorry, I'm being rude. They're essentially doing that already. Just it's not, but they're like, it would be intriguing if. You know, Scorpio Sky is on dynamite for tag, but but he's dropped down to dark to try and make it as a singles guy.
0: Yeah. And that, you know, he, and that's his choice was to relegate down as a single mm-hmm. star. And yeah. then when he, you know, he dominates dark, he gets to move on, graduate into mm-hmm. uh, dynamite proper, and, you know, ch- hope maybe challenge Cody for the TNT belt. And I think. It's- yeah that'd be a great spot put cody versus scorpio sky there scorpio sky has been built up for weeks he'll be a great person to take tnt championship mm. off of cody
1: yeah and like and these like these statistics that you know you you can the um aw collate i've been doing it myself to try and create something interesting um scorpio sky has won six matches in a row and that's, you know, that's, that's part of that story. You know, he's on a roll, he's won six in a row on Dark. Now we're bringing it up to Dynamite and he's going to take on, you know, whomever, Jake Hager, not Jake Hager, but you know, somebody, somebody interesting, um, Jungle Boy, whatever. And then, you know, then you've got a match with Stakes and yeah, um, it can be a good wrestling match. I, I don't know if um, I, I want more of the sports stuff rather than less um, personally personally. I'm going to shift us along, Ryan, to yep. the female singles that we, we've spoken about briefly. Um, we've got Shida, Rose, Swole, Ford, Abaddon. Um, awesome Kong is still there in sixth place, one match, one win. Britt Baker, Yuka Sakazaki, Mel, and Chris Statlander being your top 10. Riho coming in in 11th, uh, the former champion. And um, The big thing that, for me, sticks out is Hikaru Shida on 14 points, um, 15 wins, one loss. Second place, Nyla Rose on four points, six two. It's it's um it's a it's a runaway. This is um this is what one might suggest is the Italian um, Serie A or the German Bundesliga. Uh, Bayern Munich and Juventus are running away with it. I don't know the the American equivalent for that. Um, I do apologize.
0: I shrug my shoulders. <laughs>
1: so yeah it's um we've got a dominant kind of individual kind of far and above ahead of everyone else
0: yeah i mean obviously we've talked about before covid had a real impact specifically on the women's division Mm -hmm. i'm trying to remember because it's obviously been a little bit but i believe that the women that they had available during that block of uh Covid tapings in Atlanta, Georgia, was mm-hmm. Sheeta, Ford, Baker, Statlander. Statlander, maybe was, was Big swole there?
1: No, it was just the four of them because they did, uh they did, they did a tag match and they may have done a fatal four way, but I'm almost certain it was just that four.
0: Well, then even then, I mean, obviously, you know, they they're building up Akarashita, and that, that was point of that. A lot of that was to build up Akarashita to face Nyla Rose. And I think that's obviously why her 14 points is a huge number there. But then you look at everything else and like, you know, if they had Ford and they had Baker who then got injured, they had Chris who also then got injured. Like, why are their numbers not a little bit higher to me? I think that's weird. Um, and then obviously, you know, the, the latter half of this, this graph is all like dark talent. Yeah. uh, Who are just losing apparently. Um, yeah, I mean, this is sort of it's sort of frustrating to me to look at this and just be like, who's the next challenger? I mean, and that—and maybe that's a great reason for them to start this tag tournament because to, you know, to d- basically distract from everything until they get a new challenger, because, you know, the new challenger right off the bat would be like, uh, oh, Nyla Rose. She's number one in AEW. She's mm-hmm. number one here. That's going to be it. But then, like, you got Big Swole and a feud of Britt Baker, so she's distracted. Now the Rose is a former champion, so I don't know if that makes the most sense. Ford just lost. Abaddon, mate? Is Abaddon the next challenger? You know, it's just, it's one of those things where it's just like, I don't really know. Also, why why hasn't also Kong come back to AEW? Um,
1: and she, was, she was away for filming Glow. I don't know when that finishes or um. It seems like she's been away for a while, though. Um, but yeah. perhaps it was a case of filming Glow and then COVID and that. So, I, I yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, COVID probably put a halt on uh, filming Glow, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But does could she not come back to... Maybe I guess she has a contract where she can't go and wrestle during the filming of Glow because she can't come she back. She got injured. Yeah, I guess injury would be the big issue there. But, like you know i mean let's get some awesome kong let's maybe that that would be a great challenger just have her come back as a one-off for Sheeta. yeah
1: yeah yeah. and you know she's she's um she's you know that she wouldn't be out if you could almost get away with that for like a once-off yeah or and maybe even just a match i don't know you might i don't know yeah maybe not a title shot
0: and to be fair of course if awesome kong because of code reason does not cannot come or does not feel comfortable coming that's totally fine yeah Uh, Oh, I also want to say uh, it's also hilarious that Yuka Sakazaki is at number eight, uh, where I'm sure you've noticed this in the past several weeks, where on the AEW rankings, she was listed uh, for a very long time. I think she just got off the AEW rankings maybe like two, three weeks ago. Yeah. She hasn't wrestled since before COVID, and she was there the entire time. Like It's like they thought... It feels like they thought that COVID be over faster so that they can bring Yuka back as a challenger. Like, I don't know what's happening there.
1: I mean, even then, like, um, two matches, one and one, even, even before COVID, it wasn't it was a good record to be on the rankings. Exactly. And even, even now, like, until this week, they'd had um, Statlander and Baker on the rankings, mm-hmm. even though they were both injured uh, quite mm-hmm. a while ago. Um, and uh, Baker is still there at number four, Abaddon having just knocked um, Statlander off the rankings. So it's yeah, they are they're they're uh, I, I don't know. A they're lot in, issues. Not, yeah, they're not in a good position in terms of um women's rankings. And I have to say, um Diamante didn't really uh, she didn't win a fan out of me. I'm afraid she I you know, best will in the world. I kinda wanted something to come from her and Evil East having that match, but um, I thought Evil East was good, actually, but yeah, um, it didn't. It just didn't go anywhere in the end. Yeah. Um, going somewhere, though, we will move over. Last thing we're going to talk about today, tag team division. We'll kind of go through it quite quickly. Um, to no one's surprise, Hangman Page and Kenny Omega are number one, 11 and 11 now. Um, number two is the best friends, 17, and, so 12 and 17. Um, Dark Order 3rd, FDR, Young Bucks, Natural Nightmares are still there, Janelle and Kiss, Jurassic Express, SCU, and uh, coming in at number 10 is The Gun Club. Yeah, um, One and one. Um, but yeah, though, uh, underneath that, it's zeros, minus one, minus two, etc. And The Initiative, coming in, drop dead, bottom, negative nine.
0: Who are The Initiative?
1: And the initiative is the name for Cutler and Avalon. It oh. was just, the name was just debuted on Dark. Oh. Apparently it's something to do with Dungeons and Dragons. You get the initiative if you roll something.
0: Oh yeah. They, I, Craig, fun fact. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of Dungeons and Dragons.
1: Oh, I have uh, never, I've never played, unfortunately.
0: I, I had a whole podcast on, on doing Dungeons and Dragons campaign. Really? Uh, Yeah, no, initiative is basically when you're going to uh, when it's like you're going entering combat mode, you roll a d20 with however high your number is and plus the modifier is when you can attack in the order of play. Okay. I if I can best examine that, I love that they're still bottom though. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean this 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 leg standing not too surprising for me. Best friends was the only tag team that was available during that Atlanta taping for yeah. AEW. So one of the reasons why they got a title shot is because hey, look, they are shooting up the rankings because they're the only ones having matches. Dark Order just lost. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think to me the better idea and what this really shows to me is who left can ultimately challenge be an interesting new yeah. match for Hangman Page and, and Kenny Omega, those people being obviously FTR and the Young Bucks.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, they, they or could Janelle and
0: Kiss. <laughs> Let's not forget yeah. Janelle and Kiss.
1: Yeah, only because they haven't, yeah. I, exactly. It, it seems it seems looking at at these numbers right now that the, the Kenny Omega Hangman Page title run might have to come to an end um i don't know when you do that my guess is all out yeah um, which is the next destination um yeah you they lose they lose there and then what you do um page omega at full gear something like that that's i mean um that's not bad yeah I, I, you know long-term storytelling is good but it it has been a long time now and maybe it's time we start thinking about wrapping it up and then, you know, FTR champions, perhaps all out. And then young bucks revolution next year, something, something like that.
0: Yeah. I think, I I think you're right in saying that. I think page and Omega is starting to run its course. I, Mm. it really feels like all out is when they will lose and you know great run of the tiles to begin with you know constant Mm. defenses all the time but yeah i think you know especially with the bubbling waterness of page and ftr being a sort of thing you know Mm. if you spin off if you know that is what ultimately causes their team to lose at all out ftr wins or bucks wins whoever wins or whoever's challenging whatever then you have you know you could do a fun match of page and ftr versus omega and the young bucks that's you know that's a pay-per-view match in my book
1: i think a lot of um the people that are following the products um you know that are not within the term of casuals you know would, would point towards that this tag team story or these tag team stories as being you know the thing
0: yes this is probably the most prevalent story in the entire of AEW. and mm. on, ironically enough i think it's uh what has been least hurt by covid um yeah. you know obviously yeah. we, we we already spoke about the women's division even the men's division you know Moxley was gone for so long and then he was gone again because of uh his wife mm-hmm. um you know we're here you know Omega was still at the Atlanta tapings then we're building up the best friends makes sense there and then as soon as we get out and we get page back pretty much weekly title matches yeah coming out of them i I, you know i think it makes sense you know who who comes out after that i think you're right i think it could be ftr winning it all out then maybe spinning off into something at revolution maybe page versus omega maybe it's that six man and then eventually young bucks ftr i think makes sense i think you know i think it's a good idea to put the titles on ftr on the next Mm pay-per-view
1: yeah yeah absolutely um, I think I think that takes us to the end of the show, Ryan. Unless there's anything else you want to add or look at.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, thank you so much for hosting this one. I think it was, mm. you did a good job, Craig. Uh, I was on the, the other side of the table for this one, uh, so it's it weird. We're you know we're, we're flipping things up, like you said, flipping things on its head to sort of uh, you know change up the format of the show every once in a while without changing it too much. I think mm-hmm. it worked. I liked it a lot. Um, things for me to plug I guess you can always follow me on Twitter at hit the books pod uh, or on my private thing which is at Ryan may but it's not private you can just you can just follow it I mean I don't tweet often so you can go there if you want Um, so at hit the books pod of course you can go there we have all all stuff I talk about wrestling all the time uh, and really dive in and complain about uh, people being incorrect about WWE's ability to make stars which is a fight I got into earlier this week um. What else? Uh. Yeah, and of course, subscribe to this podcast channel. Uh. Whether it be YouTube, whether it be the podcast feed itself, subscribe. We also got the other show on here that I do with Mikey, who was the guest last week, called Hit the Books. Basically, the show is is kind of like GM mode, but more realistic stakes and a more realistic world. Um. You know, we're not bringing in the young bucks. We're not bringing an FTR. If if you know, when the COVID firings happen, if someone got fired, they were cut from our roster. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're trying to keep it as realistic as what's happening. Um, you know, it, it's basically GMO. So basically every single week I will present my version of Monday night raw. Mikey will present his version of Friday night Smackdown and we'll basically uh, show them to each other. And whoever has the better card gets voted on by the listeners on Twitter and, uh, you know, we then like roll a thing afterwards and the loser could have, like we said, real stakes. The loser could basically have to change their entire card right on the spot. They have to maybe cut a match. Uh, I might, you know, if, if there, Mikey's the loser, I could win a NXT call up. Um, if, if Mikey's the loser, like I could injure one of his wrestlers for like six months uh realistic things happen you know we have a wellness policy violation whatever so go check out that show uh i think we're doing a great job we've been basically writing actually this upcoming show Now i think about it craig is our two-year anniversary for doing hit the books so we've been we've been doing it for quite a while and we got a whole backlog which you can check out at htbpod.com you know that'll read up on our archive but uh yeah, it's been doing it for a long time, and I think we, you know, we've we've sort of proven that idea of like, hey, you know, if you get people that watch wrestling and understand how wrestling works, they can write good stuff. And I feel like Mikey and I write good stuff, so go check that out if you're interested.
1: And um, perfect. So um, yeah, uh, again, please check out prowrestlingmusings.com for all the numbers, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Some really good articles from people coming on there, and um, we've got um, Chester with. Um, some kind of maybe more of the detailed rating stuff that I've ever seen. Um, what else do we have? Um, Dan is going to be writing about Warhorse and Cody this week. And there should be another set of AW statistically um, statistically inspired ratings from Griff as well. And yeah. um, so that's all this week from um, wrestling with statistics for Ryan and myself. Thank you very much for listening.
0: Bye.